Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Conversations. Today's conversation is going to circle around our ongoing interest and need to help build more inclusive, natural, and more formal supports. We want to focus on building more inclusive service delivery systems and raising awareness and building capacity for programs and services that will be more relevant to people with complicated and beautiful brains. Today, I was very honored to provide some training for some very curious individuals who work in the area of crisis interventions. These individuals were from local mental health agencies and from police departments. After this training, I was then back into my own wellness studio supporting individuals with very complicated and beautiful brains and discussing things like the extra risks involved in alcohol and drug use that we need to consider when people who have already been exposed to alcohol and various substances prenatally while they were developing. I just find this role that I'm currently in so incredibly rewarding because I'm continuously learning while simultaneously being validated for the very important work that I'm doing and the need for more of it to take place. So we began today's training by providing context for why we were discussing complicated mental health and learning difficulties that were so often related to prenatal alcohol exposure but yet so often misunderstood and not linked to that at all. So once again, I think it's really important to understand that prenatal alcohol exposure is the leading cause of developmental disabilities in our Western world, and that the prevalence rates of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder are higher than autism spectrum disorder, cerebral palsy, Tourette syndrome, Down syndrome combined. And once again, when I shared this information with the people in this training program, There were gasps, there was disbelief, and there were people who were so just incredibly surprised and wondering why more of us do not know this. And, you know, keeping in mind that with the right supports and information, only one of those conditions that we know of at this point can be prevented. And that is the one that's related to prenatal alcohol exposure. So I also need to take some time to remind everyone that alcohol is a big part of our culture here in Ontario, but let's face it, globally. And there are a variety of reasons why people consume alcohol, and none of which include the deliberate interest in imposing harm to anyone, not themselves, and certainly not to their unborn babies. But despite our efforts in terms of prevention, we know that the drinking rates among pregnancies is actually on the rise. Another not-so-fun fact is that 80% of women in childbearing years consume alcohol, and over 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. And most people are not aware of their pregnancies, even if they are planned, until they are five or six weeks in, which means that alcohol is typically a part of our social gatherings and events that we participate in, And that there's a really good chance that many of these pregnancies are exposed to alcohol far before the pregnancy has been confirmed. So while I'm doing this training, I'm acutely aware of the fact that many people in the room might be looking at their own drinking habits 
and what possible risks there may have been for their own children and their own pregnancies. And the questions do come up. And the statements are made about many mixed messages that they receive from their doctors or their healthcare providers. There are still many people out there that indicate that small amounts of alcohol or alcohol consumed during those early weeks are really, it's really not, not consequential. But this really simply is not true. And even though there is a risk of people feeling a little anxious about this and worrying about what possible harm they may have contributed to in terms of their own alcohol use or their own maybe unplanned pregnancies, we cannot simply not have this conversation because we worry about what might have already happened. We need to have this conversation. We need to have it compassionately and respectfully. And again, once again, normalize our culture's alcohol use. And we need to work towards reducing both the incidences of prenatal alcohol exposure and the impact of prenatal alcohol exposure. Because by not having the conversation around what might possibly be contributing to some really puzzling behaviors. We're doing both the parents and the individuals and the community members a disservice because we're not helping in in good ways. I think our goal always has to be to provide people with the information that they need in order to allow them to make informed decisions. So I don't think a lot of people make informed decisions about alcohol use in general. I'm not sure that that many people understand that alcohol is actually a carcinogenic and it it is rated equivalent to that of cigarette smoking. I'm not sure that people understand that alcohol use compounds or can create anxiety and other mood difficulties. And I'm not sure that people understand that alcohol use can lead to a number of other health-related issues. But I think that we all would agree that people can make decisions around their own health, but when they're made aware of the possible consequence of their behavior or drinking habits on the development of an unborn baby, I think the focus shifts a little here. And uh, and so here lies the opportunity. And once again, that's the point of these kitchen table conversations. We're hoping that you will keep this conversation going and that we see relevancy, particularly now around the Christmas holidays, because once again, many pregnancies are unplanned. And I just read an article this week about a 43-year-old woman from North Carolina who just finished adopting a couple of her sister's children, who unfortunately, um, in this particular case, her sister just recently passed away from health-related issues um, that were directly related to alcohol misuse. So this was a tragic story. So she has two kids who needed permanent caregiving. So this 43-year-old woman took on this enormous and loving responsibility. But then she was also experiencing some of her own puzzling health-related issues, um, including what she understood to be a hernia. And during further assessment and investigation, um, and ultimately an ultrasound, um, she learned the day before she delivered that she was actually having a baby. And it's really important to note that this woman was given the prognosis early on in her uh, adulthood that she would never be able to carry a baby during due to her own health issues that have been longstanding. So here we are with a woman who's just delivered this beautiful baby who's never had the opportunity to plan or to prepare or to get excited about or to fall in love with this growing baby. Not to mention the fact that in today's world, again, with 80% of women consuming alcohol during these 
childbearing years, there's there's a pretty good chance that this woman has engaged in things that might not have been as healthy as they could be to support the healthiest of pregnancies. So I don't know this to be true. So I think it's really important. I'm not making um, any blatant statements here around this particular pregnancy, but I'm just saying, given the stats, that example makes me a little nervous and, you know, wonders about what things could happen and what's in store if, in fact, alcohol and other maybe substance use has been a part of this woman's history. So again, these things happen. And even though nobody means for the baby's development to be compromised, sometimes it does happen. So the bottom line, we have to be thinking about pregnancies even before we're actually planning them. So last week, I participated in a national prevention working group. And our Canadian FASD Research Network and the Center of Excellence for Women's Health created this really neat preconception booklet. And I'll have this booklet posted on my website. And in it, it discusses um, many of the reasons that we all should be thinking about our alcohol use in terms of our own health, and certainly while we're considering family planning. It discusses how alcohol can impact ovulation. It can impact, it can also lead to irregular periods. It can alter hormones and it can interrupt sperm function and sperm count. And heavy drinking can also lead to sexual dysfunction, which may make it difficult to conceive altogether. So these conversations around alcohol use and preconception and family planning need to involve both partners, recognizing that both have a role to play in terms of creating or building the healthiest of babies. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to miscarriage, it can lead to stillbirth, it can lead to low birth weight, it can lead to premature birth, and it can also add, you know, a myriad of physical and neurodevelopmental impacts and ultimately it can result in fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is a lifelong disability. And individuals who are experiencing the impact of prenatal alcohol exposure will have some degree of challenges in their daily living for as long as they live and may need some additional support in a variety of domains, which may include learning difficulties, memory difficulties, concentration challenges, maybe some difficulties with balance and coordination, learning lags, problems regulating emotions and mental health concerns. And there's also social difficulties and relationship challenges and the ability to find meaningful and keep meaningful employment, those kinds of things. And ultimately, there's just many, many, many people that I see on a day-to-day basis who kind of feel misunderstood and like they're a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. So since there's no safe, no known safe amount or safe time or safe type of alcohol to be consumed during a pregnancy, it is strongly recommended that if you're planning a pregnancy or if you're if there's a chance that you could become pregnant, then you abstain from alcohol and other substances that may impact development. So again, we encourage kitchen table conversations because we really strongly believe that this is where the most meaningful learning takes place and that there's also the real risk that most prevention strategies geared towards alcohol misuse and preventing fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the majority of people don't really feel like that applies to them because most people understand that fetal alcohol spectrum disorder results from heavy 
and problematic alcohol use, but we know that that's not the truth. So don't forget to check out my website for the preconception booklet that I was speaking about earlier. And I'll also be sharing a recipe booklet from the Hamilton area that they created in in an effort to raise awareness um, around fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. But also I think it's helpful for all of us to, um, especially as we embark upon this holiday season, to be able to have opportunities to normalize not consuming alcohol during these festivities uh, for people who want that as an option. So um, so yeah, feel free to check out those uh, delicious recipes and give some of them a try. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. Until next time, Angela. Out.